You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hockey fans, if you'd like a copy of my new book, Tales with TR, Fights, Film, and Folklore, head on over to flankerpress.com. If you'd like a personalized copy for $25 plus shipping, email me at terryryan2020 at gmail.com. That's terryryan2020 at gmail.com. Welcome to episode 90. Episode 90. It's number 90 in the NHL. Jesus, I'd have to look that up. 90. Hold on. I promise you I'm not looking it up. I'm trying to think. Um, hmm. Oh my God. I can't think of one. I'm going to look it up. 90 NHL. Mike Medano. Recall that. Oh, okay. With Detroit. Okay. Yes. Joe Juno. Ah, Joe Juno and one of only four players to wear it for more than one season. Yeah, you don't see many number 90s. Anyway, welcome to Tales with TR. I'm your host, Terry Ryan. My guest today is also Terry Ryan. Senior, that is. I'm going to pick his brain for a little bit. Hope everybody's having a good week and enjoyed the Super Bowl. And uh, I enjoyed it. Broke even, made about six bets. Broke even. Been on the Bengals, but uh, covered the spread. Thought it was interesting. I've gotten into football the last few years. Before that, I was, uh, yeah. I was kind of impartial. I, I knew the best players, but I didn't really know much about the game. And uh, a few years ago, I was in Toronto and uh, had an opportunity to, uh, with some sports stations up there. I mean, it's going to be mostly hockey, right? But the, the, the appearances I made um, were sports shows, not necessarily hockey shows. So I thought, you know, I'm going to brush up. And the, I think it was the year the Raptors were, were going for it, or at least the year before that, maybe right before they got Kawhi. And um, so I got into basketball and, and football, and, and what I bought, the, I play, play a lot of video games. So I bought both games for PS4, and that way I subconsciously picked up, you know, all the players from Osmosis. I, and, and, you know, you learn the plays and you learn the nuances of the games and not just the NFL. I didn't watch much NBA, although it's easier to follow because each team has 
you know, two or three players that you remember, really. You can get away with in basketball, being in on the conversation and only knowing a couple of players per team. But as you as you play those games and don't play them anymore, I'm on Red Dead Redemption now, loving it um, in hockey. But uh, you know, and then you know, I started watching all the uh, listening all the sports shows, podcasts, whatever. So I, I enjoy it now, and I, I like the storylines. And that's easier to follow nowadays with social media. I often talk poorly of social media, but I mean, there, it does, there are positives. I just find it fascinating because if you told people hundreds of years ago that they're going to have the world's library in their hands, you would think people would get smarter with the most knowledge we've ever had, right? I mean, for years, the dark ages went by. No one really knew how to read, right? All the, uh, I believe all the knowledge as far as books and even the ability to read was reserved for monks for the most part. And at least the elite, most people didn't know. So they were kept in the dark, hence the dark ages. And, uh, you know, once, once, the printing press was in, uh, invented and more and more of the world and the ability to read. We got smarter and the scientific re revolution happened. The Renaissance happened, uh, creative art, everything uh, really, you know, from Shakespeare to Michelangelo to Galileo, a lot of science, a lot of philosophy. There's a lot of, there was, you know, the human knowledge was, boomed you know for for years and in 1797 we discovered vaccines one of the biggest discoveries ever and uh here we are today with people thinking the world's flat um now i'm not trying to you know i guess when it comes to the coronavirus that's a people have a different viewpoint i just most people that are against the vaccine or, or don't want it at least probably had their measles vaccine I mean, they have a vaccine of some sort so I don't want I don't want to make this about COVID. I don't want to fucking talk about that anymore. And it's being lifted soon everywhere. So fuck it. Good riddance. I just brought that in because that was part of, you know, this, this discovery of vaccines, whether you're for the COVID vaccine or not. You you listening to this, you've probably gotten a vaccine for something. You didn't die of the measles or smallpox. OK, there. So. I'm just saying that. In, in the, so in those few hundred years, the world's knowledge exploded and people just begged for the, the ability to read. And there were so many poets and writers because that was their video games kind of thing. Right. If there was no radio and no TV, certainly no Instagram, there was there'd be no Kim Kardashian and whatever. Yeah, You know, not just that. I mean, pop music or I mean, things that I like as well, you know, hockey or, or whatever it might be. A lot of things distract us now and they they entertain us. They're, they're necessary. Just saying, it's funny we, we came to a certain point and now we all have back in the day, the biggest library in the world was in Alexandria. I'm going back thousands of years, um, but it was considered like a Mecca because, you know, people went on spiritual or just personal quests, uh, to, to gain knowledge. And now we literally have all of it in our hand. 
and a device in our pocket. And yet there's more conspiracies than ever. And, you know, I don't want to offend anybody because, I mean, some conspiracies, I mean, I'm sure there's a small percentage that are true. Do I believe we landed on the moon? Yes, I did. And the world, I'm sorry to say for you flat earthers, is round. Uh, but anyway, it's just funny how that spiked. I mean, if you ask people 50 years ago, they'd go, yeah, of course. You know, there wasn't many flat earthers out there. But with with the Internet and with all that knowledge come groups and acceptance and you know for every like and that you're trying to follow on facebook and instagram right and you're going to follow those likes and give me followers give me likes right well there's something connected that to that that's a lot of people that don't maybe have a, a you know a big social following or social life they'll they'll find themselves they'll not compartmentalize but they'll you know, they'll find groups on the Internet that maybe accept them. And if those groups have crazier and crazier ideas. They'd rather cling to those ideas for fear of being unaccepted again. That's the way I see it. I mean, I've read try to get to the bottom of all this. I'm reading a book now. Oh, God, what is it? I think it's 20 problems for the 21st century. Um, the same person that wrote the book Sapiens, one of my favorites. So I'm not looking at this. Look into it. Sapiens. Actually, you know what? I got a phone in my hand. Speaking of knowledge. Not that anybody asked on a uh, Thursday morning for this. Hold on. Sapiens. A Brief History of Humankind. By uh, Sapiens. A Brief History of Humankind. By Yuval Noah Harari. So he has three books. The next one is called Homo Deuce. And it's kind of be speculating what the future is going to be like. And uh, I think this one, his most recent that I'm reading now is, is something for the, for the 21st century, whatever you can look into it. Um, but it's interesting because and, and he actually uh, talks about, you know, in the book sapiens came, I, I don't know, I'm guessing eight years ago or so, but, He he talks about, you know, that he couldn't believe that there hadn't been a pandemic since, you know, a big one or, or you know, since since the Spanish flu. He said, you know, history says that it's going to happen. It's going to happen again. And, you know, it turns out. It did a few years later, which opens the door for so many questions. I mean, what if one happens? I mean, this really I don't want to be insensitive, but. As far as dangerous pandemics go, um, I'm going to eat my words. I know it, <laughs> but, you know, it could have been, I mean, you know, literally what, what if it was worse and, you know, kids were dropping, but you know, the black plague happened, you know, things like that. So which wiped out like two thirds of Europe or something, you know, and I don't want to be insensitive. I lost, I lost people. Um, and I'm sure thankfully not in my, direct family but i lost friends and um you know we lost i lost people i look up to like john prine but anyway i'm getting too far into it again i don't want to politicize it and that's why i was bringing up this book in the first place it's interesting it's certainly not taking any agenda or being it's, it's not politicized one way or the other it's just an interesting look at this guy's take 
uh, and I assume he's some sort of scientist. Um, yeah, it's 20, 21 Lessons for the 21st Century is his uh, latest book. Anyway, I, uh, I really enjoy it. And uh, he said that's one thing that couldn't have been predicted. All the rest of it could have been, you know, someone at some point, whether it was Nostradamus or a preacher or a philosopher, whoever it might be, or whether it was Star Trek, right? And I'm not joking. Um, you know, a lot of these people and, and organizations and writers, whatever it might be, that, that predicted the future in some capacity, a lot of them just the, the, the one thing that I, I keep reading that they missed is at some point we will all have the, uh, the, the, the libraries of Alexandria right in our hand and more and more. Yet people that are flying around in planes to conferences that can look out the window that have TVs, and I know the media bends things, but I'm pretty sure that unless you're unless you've got an ulterior motive or like I, I said earlier, your struggle for companionship, I mean at this point I, I think just the end of the spectrum is that the earth is round, okay because I don't want to offend anybody. And conspir as conspiracy theories go, there's a hell of a lot going around now. And who am I to fucking say? But I stop at the flat earth thing. Mm. Anyway, it was a great Super Bowl. And uh, they're the first ad for Shorzy was involved. It was exciting to see. Um, I uh, was made aware just not even a week before that they were going to pump our show on there. And um, I got to be honest, I wasn't even, I, I said, I won't believe it till I see it because that's a big deal. But short clip is it was a laugh. I'm looking forward to Shorzy. It's coming in a couple months, as I've mentioned. Um, Matt Nickel. So, Maddie, I know you're out there and I like following your Instagram feed. Uh, Maddie is... The um, Maddie's. How do I explain it? Uh, he's a like strength and performance health guy. Uh, I believe he founded BioSteel, if I'm not mistaken. That's how I met Matt just a few years ago. Uh, me and Biz Nasty were given a speech, as I recall this, Matt. Uh, you're probably listening, since I'm going to send you the link. <laughs> um, as I recall, Biz and I did a bit of a what are you going to say? Like a Q&A. When I went up there, I thought it was like stand-up. But when, when I got there, which is always hit and miss, I'd rather a public speech than, than stand-up. And they're almost the same, but they're not the same. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, we did that. I, I got to know Matt, and I'd heard about him and his techniques. A real, like, sports, not just the physical element, the mental, um, you know, he, peak performance kind of guy. But anyway, he had on his Instagram, and I'm saying this for a reason here because I know there's a lot of, you know, it's relevant. There's sports fans out there that watch the Super Bowl. So the kicker, forget his name, but anyway, on the, on the Bengals, he watched the halftime show instead of staying in the room with the team. So people were making a big deal about it, and I think I might have at 
I think most of my life I probably would have. I would have looked at it and say he's being a shitty teammate. But and Matt asked this question. He said, I need your input here. Like, what do people think of this? Because this is different, you know, and as a peak performance guy, I mean, I'm not sure how to this is new. Being in that the kicker, one of the players stayed out and watched the halftime show. So I'm not sure, like, no, as we're watching it, we're not sure. Like, I think mo- my reaction most of my life would be, yeah, he's being a shitty teammate. But, I mean, how do you know? First of all, he's a kicker. So, to me, it's like playing with a goalie that I never wanted to enter that world. I, I felt uncomfortable in between periods even messing with a goalie because it's like a pitcher in baseball. You know, it, 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 you're, you're absorbing most of the pressure. And you need your own little world. A lot of goalies, I mean, I don't know, Jose Theodore used to put a towel on his head and you knew that it was okay, a no-theo zone. You know, he just stayed 10 feet away from him at all times, let him do his thing. Other goalies I know used to take all their gear off, um, you know, and had a routine. Uh, some goalies went into the dressing room or, sorry, the, the workout area that I played with. It. Point being... There was like certain guys on teams that needed to to do their own thing. They weren't always goalies, but they often were. The kicker, I guess, you know, I'm not going to say he's not an important player. This guy's a young guy. And uh, I'm going to check out. Okay, Evan McPherson. Um, But, you know, he's successful. And maybe he was a fan and maybe, you know, you, 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 you look at it the situation and judge it without really understanding. I mean, maybe that's the way he prepares himself. Maybe when he's in the room, he listens to hip hop. Maybe he does his own thing anyway. I'm sure he didn't go out there and tell his teammates to go fuck themselves at halftime at the Super Bowl in a 13 to 10 game. And it seems to me, I've heard some of his teammates interviewed and they're like, Hey, he's never let us down. Um, You know, kickers often practice kicks um, during halftime. Anyway, I know that from just watching football. The whole team will be in getting whatever they're getting done, medical attention or pep talk, whatever it might be, and the kickers are out practicing, as much as a pit, like a pitcher in the bullpen. So, honestly, I'm not going to judge the guy for it. I mean, it's the Super Bowl. He put on a great performance, as did the Bengals for the first time in quite some time. And uh, I don't think I'm in a position to judge. That's my answer. Um if there was a team rule and he broke it, then I don't give a shit. Then that's not good. But it doesn't seem like that to me. It seems positive. It seems like a good vibe. And why fuck with that? Everybody prepares different. Uh, for two years, I dealt with anxiety before games by throwing up before the games. I'm sure that wasn't. I'm sure that was a lot worse for me overall than watching a halftime show at the Super Bowl and no one said anything to me. So anyway. I think at this point in my life, especially with all the new, what's the word? New age opinions, new age ideas, uh, nuances with each sport and, and, and the preparation. And it's changed. A lot of things have changed. And uh, rather than sit here yelling at the cloud like an old man, I will uh, probably welcome that change as long as it's positive doesn't hurt anybody and uh i don't think watching the super bowl at halftime does so terry ryan senior coming up when we get back ladies and gents my next guest played three years in the oha now the ohl for the hamilton red wings where he accumulated 92 goals including 47 in the 71 72 season alone his hard work paid off 
And three years after leaving his hometown of Grand Falls, Newfoundland, he was selected 44th overall by the Minnesota North Stars of the NHL. Also drafted in round two by the Minnesota Fighting Saints of the WHA, he chose the latter quite simply because of a better contract and free schooling, which he'd used to become a high school teacher for almost 30 years. His five years of pro hockey were highlighted by winning the shorthanded gold crown in the in the WHA in 1972-73 with six and 101-point season in the IHL in 74-75, split between Muskegon and Lansing. These days, he can be seen as a recurring guest in the hit podcast Spittin' Chicklets and still enjoys cold beers, music videos, and hockey highlights on Friday nights. He is a gnarly Newfoundlander, a scintillating storyteller, a speedy skater, a sniping centerman, a music madman, a gifted granddad. His wife's name is Gail, and he tells a good tale. He played with balls and is from Grand Falls. He was drafted in 72, and he can play baseball, too. Humans start fetal, and he loves the Beatles. Elvis is king, and he played for the Wings. On the Rock, his, he's in the Hall of Fame in more than one game. Folks, a minor crime is a misdemeanor. Please welcome to the show, Terry Ryan, senior, senior. How are you? I'm feeling good. Thank you so much for the intro. <laughs> okay. Now, uh, we got one mic here, folks. So um, another one's on the way soon for our uh, live shows that we're going to do on Friday on, on Mondays. That's coming up soon. I'll explain more after the interview. So, Senior, it's good to have you on again. And a lot of people are curious. How was your time in Las Vegas last week with us? Uh, Spitting Chicklets, myself, Connor, and the boys. Is one of the best, <clears throat> excuse me, that has to be one of the best times in my life. Going out with you, number one, and Biz Nasty and RA and Wits, and just overall having a great time and playing some great hockey and competing and having never been in Las Vegas before. It was, uh, you know, an eye opener and I enjoyed it immensely. What did you think of the Beatles show? I went in. What did you think going in? Sorry. Yeah. Preconceived notion of, uh, you know, I didn't want to go. No live band. But I should have known better because this is Vegas. And after the show, I said, fool that I was to think because Vegas is Vegas. And I mean, they could make a rock on the ground look good. So uh, it was wonderful. And I would strongly recommend it to anyone. So. After, I mean, we were down there for some people that don't know, we were there for four or five days. Well, five, I guess, because we flew we flew home late on Sunday. So one of the last things we did, I mean, most of it involved playing ball hockey, going to events, eating, drinking, socializing. So we didn't have and even when we had some off time, like I said, we went to see the Beatles love. But the last day and one thing that I didn't even know going in there that I was going to do, we went to the Grand Canyon, which I thought was fascinating for a lot of a lot of reasons. But what did you think of that whole experience? That was, uh, I must say, having uh, never been in Arizona before and I never been in Nevada. And I played, you know, when I played hockey, I got, you know, I played in, in probably 36 of the 50 states. I counted them up one day. So I was I was pleased with that anyway. But then to uh to go to go to Arizona and we went, you know, we cut across, we drove a couple of hours through it. And then to see the grand Canyon, I had flown over it before, of course. And we used to play, uh, the LA sharks. I remember, but never having gone out or being literally 
literally about three feet from 4,000 feet straight down. It was, it was awe-inspiring. So, yeah, no, I thought so, too. Um, looking down at the Colorado River, it, it, it actually, not many things live up to expectation when you see them live, and that was more mesmerizing than I even thought. Um, I actually got woozy. I told, told people about that last week. Um, now, I got some few questions that people have asked me over time that I have stored up and a few others that off the top of my head. So these are going to be kind of out of left field. They're, I mean, they're all relevant, but um, I'm going to kind of steer away from the stories at this point that a lot of people probably already know, like when you first went away and things like that. If not, we can catch you up in past episodes. Just shoot me a note and um, or, or tune in on Monday live when we do it live. You can literally ask senior yourself. My first question to you, and um, I'll preface this with a statement to everybody. Friday nights, at least at least Friday, but usually, but Fridays is, is usually the gathering point for if people are going to visit me and my father, that it would be on a Friday. And the further you go back, I mean, it was it was every Friday. Right. So now it's thinning out a bit just because of availability. People move away. I'm not always around. But seniors Friday is always the same. So and. We'll watch videos, hockey fights, music videos, whatever it might be. Socialize, have a beer, have a chat. Now, over the years, we've collected albums and videos and, I mean, and then made our own versions of each, spliced them up, whatever we've done, made compilations. And it takes time, but it the process was very, what's the word, linear, and we could we could keep track of it and it was very compartmentalized now you've discovered youtube where you can go anywhere you want and i'm thinking i mean i've been into youtube for years obviously but for someone like you that loves knowledge that loves videos that's so what what do you think of that and what do you immediately go to these days are you watching more music videos are you watching i mean you came down the other day with that snowboarding video or the skiing video. Um, <laughs> you know, what do you think of all that? I want to get your perspective. And what are you watching these days? I watch everything because, as you said, I love learning new stuff. Uh, I have a, a, a real, I got a basically a number of programs that I, I watch an episode or whatever every day. Perspective. I, got, I don't know why I couldn't draw a stick, man. But I love art. And there's a, a program called Perspectives, and it's on all art, impressionism, uh, postmodernism, uh, uh, Cuba, everything. And I, I watch that one that like that every day, a music video every day, have to watch my two, Rested Development. Uh, and there's all kinds of sites you discover when you go in accidentally. You don't watch this. And I've discovered so many. And it's a constant, uh, it's a constant finding out for me. And I absolutely love it. You know, you can go, guy was on the other day, the latest, and he was talking about the Big Bang Theory. And now the, what they think, what they thought before isn't quite what they think it is now. And it's just fascinating. You want to find out something about Einstein? Here you go. Click, here's his life. I just love it. And, uh, uh, you know, it's a game changer for me because... I can watch it all day and it's infinite. 
it's infinite. <laughs> it never ends. So it's great. Uh, you know, it's funny. I, I was kind of mentioning that on the way in and I didn't mean it like that, but it, we have all this knowledge in our fingertips. Can you imagine that some of the philosophers over time, the further you go back, I find philosophy, almost um, the art, science, it's all kind of connected. And I, I, I guess because of the lack of everyday people having access to knowledge, now that we all have it, you know, there's more flat earthers than ever. It's funny. We, we have we have the Alexandra libraries right here. Yeah. But you're one of the only people I know that literally uses it all day long because you don't send messages. You're not on social media unless it's to follow, you know, the curling at the Olympics or whatever it might be. But you are the one example of someone that I know that literally only uses this stuff for knowledge, which to you, I get to, to each their own. That's your fun. Um Baseball Team Canada. People ask me about this. So, and we never, we always go into hockey stories. So, tell people about coming up. I mean, so, so people that don't know, my father's in the Provincial Hall of Fame when it comes to baseball and won a lot of batting titles um, locally and always hit well at the Nationals, uh, amongst other things. I, I can't summarize his career for two decades in a sentence. But when you were 15, you went away, you had a great tournament with Team Newfoundland, I assume. And I know that you were picked for the All-Star team, the best in Canada. Tell us when, tell us how that happened. Uh, that was 19, uh, I was born 52. So that was, that was 1967, Sarnia, Ontario. And I was 15. Uh, and I made, the, uh, of course, at the end of any tournament, there's always an All-Star team. And I was... I was picked all-star for third base. Uh, one of the best years that we had as a team leaving Newfoundland because usually, you know, you're up against it. But I think I'm pretty sure we went to the semis uh, against Ontario, the team that ended up winning it. And I remember losing 4-1, which was quite respectable. And uh, Gordon Bream was our coach and great coach. And it was uh, it was memorable because... As I said, at the end of the tournament and everything went well because in order to be selected, you know, balls have to be hit to you. And it seemed like I was getting three balls a game, four balls hard hit right at me. And I batted, you know, 280 to 300 and I could always run and I could always um, playing the Nationals. It didn't matter. I could always steal against uh, the, the best because I, I could really run. And so it was. Uh, it was nice to be selected. I wish I had. They didn't have then uh, uh, some kind of award or a medal to commemorate it. Uh, if they did, I didn't get it. But uh, I wish I, I had one now just just to uh, show Penny Lane or something. But uh, it was a real thrill. I mean, being selected, uh, you know, as, as a, an all-star, one of Canada's best, for sure. You over those years. So, I mean, the way it works here in Newfoundland, folks, is not like we're a baseball hotbed, but the people that play, there is a there's a, a big following and there's a big history. And, you know, there's a Hall of Fame. Um, there's some very old school, traditional fields. Jubilee and St. Pat's come to mind that go way, way back every year. The provincial championship, you know, usually, usually Cornerbrook versus St. John's, but that's changed recently. Um you know, it, it's, it's a big deal. So the way it would work is that, you know, most of my life grew up in St. John's Mount Pearl area, 
they would have a local championship where most of the best baseball will be played because we've got the biggest population. So often I think you can speak and then the second senior, six or seven local batting titles, and then they would go to the provincials. And then the team that wins would go away. And even if, if you, if you didn't win it, you could pick up a few players. You would always take the best batters. So I'm guessing senior, you played in 10 or 15 of these nationals. Um, what's your most memorable parts of that? And what I mean more than anything is the one thing we can't do here is we can't always hit the best pitching. We can hit our own, but you see it all the time. So my experience, which is on a way lesser level, but I have gone to the Nationals, and it always surprises you, some of the pitchers you see, because you can get used to the best ones around here, and A, there's only so many of them. And, you know, when you go away, you're, you're facing guys that have had a whole different experience and maybe travel more and practice more. And, you know, you often run into AAA players, ex-major leaguers. Did you run into any of those type of pitchers and players when you played nationally? Uh, yeah, uh, I remember specifically names. I don't know why this is like, wow, 50 years ago, Manitoba had a guy by the name of Dale Pappel. I think he went on to play pro. I remember, uh, Manitoba also had, uh, Les Lasowski. I don't know how I remember these names. Yeah. I didn't know you were going to have real names. I, I I meant the experience, but yeah, that's great. You can remember these names. Wow. Two great ones, by the way, yeah. Dale Pappel and Les Lasowski. Yeah. And, and this is when Winnipeg were the triple A farm club for the Montreal Expos. And he had pitched in triple A. And he was on the Manitoba team. And specifically against him, I remember the game was tied. It was in the eighth or ninth inning. They brought in him. And he was also, by the way, about 6'4", lefty. And, of course, I bat left. And they brought him in from the bullpen. It was two out. And I fouled off nine in a row that he, he threw me. And finally, I hit a single, and we scored. And we beat Manitoba that game. But I remember him. And I mean, I was 15 and this guy is throwing smoke. So my philosophy was if I bet normally and this guy comes in, who's triple A, I'm going to whiff. So I went up about half a foot on the bat. So there's no way I don't care if you're Roger Clemens, you're not throwing it by me. Cause if I only got six inches of bat to swing and that's exactly what I did. <laughs> and I lucked into one. And we ended up, and that name in particular, Gary Duffy, who was the MVP of that tournament. Uh, the irony is that when I ended up making the Hamilton Red Wings, our trainer, Jimmy Frail, was the chief scout for the Pittsburgh Pirates for Southern Ontario. And I mentioned that tournament. He knew Duffy. He scouted him. And uh, I don't know what happened to Duffy. He was a pitcher center fielder. He was exceptionally good. He was MVP. Like I say, one, they went on to win it. One that the, the uh, pitched a championship game, but he was another guy that if he didn't make it, he certainly got a tryout with, I, I pretty sure Pittsburgh, but you, you ran into, you know, you go out to Vancouver and I mean, these guys are, I mean, look at BC, Larry Walker. I mean, and I don't know, but I have to assume someone on that BC all-star team, got a tryout. So you went, you, you, 
you went and you were up against it all the time. Here we were in Newfoundland. Weather, not good. Maybe 20 games in the summer. And you'd play New Brunswick. Who'd go down? They would be playing American teams all summer in Maine or whatever. And the same thing with Nova Scotia. For people, before I go any further, you know what? There are people, there's a small portion, but people listening that don't know the geography. So when, when I... When we explain this, like Newfoundland's an island, so I'm not putting down the players we have here. I, you know, I'm, I'm saying we have great pitch, we have great athletes, but, but in baseball, hockey, you're starting to travel more of those sports, but in baseball, generally not. So if you're from New Brunswick, if you're from Fredericton, you're a good baseball player, you can just drive down and like, it's a matter of hours and you're in Maine and you can go down to tournaments in the States and everything. That's when it really opens up. So that's what we mean. It's, it's, it's hard to, to if you're not playing against the best competition all the time, it's hard to get better. So if you're from British Columbia with a massive population anyway, that popped down to Seattle and all over the Northwest to play, your development obviously would change. Okay, keep going. Sorry. And another name I remember, I mentioned Fredericton. And once again, there's an irony to it. Uh, they had Scotty Harvey, who played AAA for the Dodgers. And we'd play them all the time. I mean, when we went away to nationals, we'd play New Brunswick. And I was talking to him one day. I said, oh, yeah, I was, God, I played hockey with a guy from Fredericton. And it ended up being Buster Harvey, who ended up playing years in the NHL, first pick for the North Stars, and uh, ended up dying young. But anyway, uh, Scotty knew him really well because Scotty was from Fredericton also. And uh, stuff like that was always enjoyable. Going away and they got to know who you were. You played pro. And you that was your end with any team, even playing BC, uh, I remember getting on first base, the guy I'm talking to, I said, God, I play hockey internationally with a guy from uh, BC. He said, who's that? I said, Leonard Candy up from Trail. He said, one of my best buddies. This guy was from Trail, BC. So I love that, experiencing that aspect. And, of course, traveling all over Canada uh, on the government's coin then. I don't know what it's like now. But I got to the only two provinces I never went to in a national capacity was PEI and Alberta. Alberta, I don't know why, but Vancouver, uh, Brandon, Manitoba, uh, uh, well, yeah. New Brunswick, all over. I thought it was great. Um, so, and, and for those, I guess there's a lot listening that don't understand the Canadian Nationals, but there you go. It's obvious, right? You, you win your province, you go to the Nationals. So, and sometimes if you're a big enough province, you might have two teams, or if you're a host province. So, there's, you know, 10 to 12 teams usually, usually. Um, Atlantic sometimes is represented by one, but in any case, our buddy Gerald Butt was drafted uh, to the New York Yankees and the Reds actually twice. Uh, Matt Stairs, who's got the most pinch hits ever in the major leagues, right? 27, I think, pinch hit home runs. Well, he played in the Canadian Nationals uh, for three or four years when he retired, which is recently. Um, yeah, Matt's from Fredericton. So, the, you know, there are great players at these things. So, and it's always... For us in Newfoundland, we always look forward to going and the stories and coming back and, uh, you know, win or lose. And in baseball, it's often lose for us. But, you know, the, the Nationals, are we take it very serious. It's not one of those things that it's, hey, you know, it, it's not a, a, an invitational underhand softball tournament. It's real. It's uh, an experience. And the community here that uh, that plays and follows it is a very tight one. Um, senior, we've been to Rome. We've now been to Vegas and I guess Arizona, Grand Canyon, Montreal, Tri-Cities, you know, all over. I can think of some great trips. What are two places 
on the planet now that you would go first if if uh, Sandman or, or one of the boys who, who often I travel with said, you know what, we're going to take senior. Let him pick. Now, where would you go? Two places on Earth. Well, I love that trip to Rome because I have strong interest in Greco-Roman history. And uh, that was and having uh, stayed five minutes from the Colosseum. Thanks to you, by the way, you flew me over. It was wonderful. But now uh, being a little bit older in life and having a, a degree in British history, I would love to go to London probably now because I've been to Rome, although I go back to Rome at the drop of a hat. But London and probably Paris because I love uh, Napoleonic history too. That could be one trip, first of all. Second, London, I think, would be great because oh, I, I know why you're thinking. Um, yeah, but you could also pop. You, you'd see a lot of the history of the Beatles, which you're into. You could also pop over and, and watch, you know, anywhere in that area. You could watch an English Premier Soccer League game and you're into that. Yeah. So, I, you know, I London didn't surprise me. Um, Paris kind of surprised me, but uh, I, I, I would have should be able to communicate. Oh, I, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying you wouldn't be able to communicate, but I think those histories are kind of connected. I thought you were going to say Papua New Guinea or Egypt or something. No, no, no. I have no interest in. Uh, I have. I, I. Well, I'd like probably like to see the pyramids, but I have generally speaking no interest in Africa, or uh, I. I would like to see the Great Wall. Otherwise. No, and I would like yeah, for some strange reason I'd like to see Red Square, and that's my only interest in in China and Russia. Otherwise, no. And uh, but now you know, uh, I'd say London and and Paris would suffice. What's the first TV show you remember liking or even loving when you were you know I'm assuming when you were a kid, but maybe you weren't into you know you played a lot of sports. I have no idea what the answer to this is going to be because you never talk about it. Like was it Bonanza? I don't know. Leave it to Beaver. What or or was it like later in life? So Seinfeld. I have no idea. What's the first TV show that you liked? Well, growing up in Grand Falls, uh, we were Dad never had a whole lot, and we didn't have a whole lot, but. Um, so we got TV a little bit later. I remember I was like, I think 10. And I remember the naked city. There are 8 million stories in the naked city. This has been one of them, the narrator. Oh and I remember like that. It was like a detective, uh, like the untouchables. Uh, it, it predated the untouchables, but the naked sin bonanza, of course, everyone, we only had like two channels. So uh, bonanza. And uh, I think, I think the biggest one that you'd look forward to would be the Ed Sullivan show because then music was just starting to change. And uh, I mean, Elvis made his debut debut and the Beatles. And so Ed Sullivan would have his uh, talking chimpanzee and the, uh, you know, the, the, the grizzly bear that did pirouettes or something, but always a, a rock act and the up and coming rock act of, of the time of the week. And uh, you look forward, you know, you go to school, but you knew Sunday, I think it was either 8.30 or 9.30. It was prime time because it was a little bit late for someone 10 or 11 or 12 years old. So you need permission from mom or dad to stay up and watch that. Then you went to bed. But that was a big one. Now, I'm glad you brought that up because one of my questions was, what do you recall then? You, I'm, so you were 12 or I guess you were 11 turning 12. When the Beatles came, yeah. 
Now, I know you're a Beatles fan, but it might now my understanding is that you really got into them, like buying their albums and stuff when you moved away. I assume because of the, you know, you're, you're, you're meeting other people, you're traveling, you're listening also because of funds. Maybe you don't strike me as a family that a bunch of records and a record player growing up. So at what, first of all, what do you remember about the Beatles coming over? Because that's a major for a lot of people that don't know the Beatles coming to North America, in 1964, Ed Sullivan. A lot of people that at least experience it would say that that changed the world in some ways. It was a, it was a, it was a point of reference to, to, to kind of tweak a new generation. Um, and then by extension, when did you get into the Beatles? I was like everyone else. I remember that you're right there. I think it was 64. I don't know what month. February. I okay. I was going to say that, but uh, like everyone else, when I saw that and you talk to anyone in, in the world, like musicians, how that they saw the same program I saw. And, um, uh, it just changed everything. For one, crooners were gone. Uh, for the most part, Sinatra resented it, though he was so great. He stood, he stayed around. But all kinds, Eddie Fisher and uh, Como, and, and I mean, they were gone. They were relegated to, they had become dinosauric. And then the impact on the world, uh, I liked them. I never like had the money to go out, but some of the boys did. So go to their house and listen to, you know, listen to whatever. I had a, a cheesy little uh, record player. And I, and I, you know, you'd get enough money to get a single. I think they were 99 cents in Bowerings. And uh, you'd buy, get a single maybe, or and then you'd accumulate over whatever. Very few albums. Albums were probably, I don't know, $2.99, $3.99. That was out of your league. And, uh, but over the years, you know, you accumulated and you got to know more and more. And before you know it, you're an avid collector and it just became lifelong, uh, a lifelong desire, you know, to, to learn more about them and to hear their music and whatever. Now I have a question. Someone asked me the other day about tough guys. Okay. So I still think I'm, you know, I, I mean, you're going to be, partial to your era or whatever it might be. And a lot of people my age, well, hockey's not tough anymore. I, you know, it's changed, but I still think it's tough. There's hundreds of fights every year. Um, I think there's not so much of the one guy go do it as much as tough as Lucic and Reeves and those guys are. They do play a role on the team that's not fighting often. They grind, you know. Um, but, you know, some of my favorite tough guys of the era, Brant Myers. I always said Brant Myers is a good example. Brant could play. Now, or Langer, like they, they could play if they had to play. And I, although I love them as fighters, I wouldn't change a thing other than if I was coaching, I'd probably give those guys, like George Gorzo says, a little bit more room to play. You know, one shift isn't going to really help anybody. I guess it will for the moment. But, you know, a lot of these guys can go out. Like Ryan Reeves is a player. I mean, he's not a fantastic Tom stick Wilson. handler. Tom Wilson. Well, Mizey is one of the, the yeah, example. he's the best example. And he gets to actually go out and play we've had it at, in Vegas, in Vegas. Um, you know, Mizey, Dave Morissette, Dave Morissette could hit if he's skating. You know, I, I always thought maybe he'd get more of a role. My question for you, you talk about these tough guys of your time. And when I look back at like, I don't know, Larry Robinson or Stan Jonathan or Terry O'Reilly, 
that's what this, it, you know, and, and your era is considered crazy tough. Bobby Clark and all the nuts and the brawls and the, but, but Dave Schultz had 25 goals. Yeah. Like, and so I'm thinking yeah. in my era, there were tough players, but it, it was more like these, it was almost like the word goon, like, and, and I never did like it because I, I think guys like Mizey and Morissette should have played more. I, w- I wouldn't change them fighting. I just mean they could have done a little bit more. But in your era, I don't see those one shift the game guys. I used to think that. But like Lenny or Candia, how much would he play? How much? Lenny played. Lenny, okay. Lenny would accumulate 400 because he was the toughest. And if he could skate a little bit better, I mean, he was he was as tough as 95% in the NHL. But Lenny could play. He ended up winning back-to-back Turner Cups in the International. And the International League then, Terry, is not what it is now. Now there's the Federal League, the UCL League. I don't know what leagues. Yeah, but then you line. had the AHL, IHL. The IHL was younger. The AHL had more experience. Then it reversed itself. But the two years I was there, we had Detroit's number one pick. And uh, all, all through... Dayton were Washington South Farm Club. Saginaw were the Kings. So it was a good league. And the tough guys then back then played then because there's all these legends. But I tell people, I'm like, even Bob Probert had 30 goals. Like a, a lot of people that only watched in the 90s don't understand that. And I, I, I was actually surprised because I did a little digging and I went down a rabbit hole and I would like all the tough guys that you've mentioned got a lot of ice time. So last though, because I hear I heard about a candy in my whole life. So Lenny, what position was he? And, and, and you know, and, and was he was an effective player without fighting even, you know. He was left point, came out of uh, UBC. And I think Detroit must have drafted him in order to end up, you know, in Kalamazoo. But had a great shot. Uh, 6'1", 210, 215, like a wall. And like you, uh, stood up and just threw him. No wrestling. Just straight, boom, boom. Didn't lose too many. All the, the two year, and he fought, I mean, 30, 40 times a year for sure. But he was the toughest in the league. And we play exhibition games. I remember we played Central League, Kansas City. Scouts were in the NHL at the time. Uh, and we played their farm club. And he, oh my God, he fought, a, who was supposed to be their tough guy. And just absolutely opened them up it was like a fountain blood and uh, that's an example like but he was his skating was a little bit lacking for the nhl i think that's what kept them back but in another you know another time another era improved the skating a bit now because we know so much more and the techniques they have now to improve your skating lenny would have played in the nhl and would have been a sixth defenseman but absolute tough guy uh, and would a great teammate. You didn't have to worry about anyone jumping you because in my day, guys jumped you. And, uh, and, and I mean, they'd pay the price. It's not so much now, but, and you'd hate, you hate to harp back, but different eras had, had different styles of players and different play. And what I see is that, uh, you know, if you ran around, you were going to, you're going to pay the price. Sooner or later, you're going to pay the price, and uh, and he was he was just a great guy, and but he was a smart kid guy too. He ended up getting his master's degree, and he married M- Miss Michigan. I remember that. And uh, I went to their house in Fernie. I was, yeah. went to visit. Um, so he was defense. I didn't realize that. So so he was more Sheldon Surrey than say yes, John Scott. Yes. He was absolutely 
Good example, except Sheldon obviously was uh, was better. Sheldon was an all-star in the NHL. But, but some he style. was the same thing. He had a rocket and he could uh he could he could hit and he didn't necessarily have to accumulate three or four hundred minutes in penalties, but he did it for the team, and you do it for a reason. Sometimes you fight, you turn a game around. And uh you know, he was he was just so well respected. I mean, any team in the league would have jumped at him uh, to get him. But uh, he was a great teammate. Who's your favorite athlete outside of hockey? And I don't mean currently. I mean, it could be currently, but ever. Like, who did? Uh, I, okay, you know what? You're going to say a baseball player. And so let's let's leave the the Yankees out of this. Okay. okay. I would have said Mantle. I know. So and, and I know that. So I want to uh, go deeper, I guess. Uh, let's say. Let's say. Outside of the New York Yankees. Okay, right. It right. doesn't have to be baseball, any sport. Right now, it would be uh, in the British Premiership. My team is Leicester. It would be Jamie Vardy, uh, who's uh, partly because he's rags to riches, went from uh, beer league mechanic, halftime, semi-pro, to three years later, leading the Premiership in goals scored. It's absolutely, if you don't know it, look up Jamie Vardy, a Cinderella story. To the nth degree, you just can't believe how this guy, and I've, I've met British people, and one guy who came from London and knew, really knew his soccer. I said, how could a guy like Jamie Vardy in England, it would, it would be like Gretzky not being discovered in Canada, go undiscovered for like four years, and he's playing in a beer league and his his response to me was he was alone and i said what do you mean he said well he's a headbanger which i didn't know but he said uh yeah he was wild and no one wanted any part of him but they knew he was good but then he got a, uh, had got a girlfriend got married and settled down and all of a sudden he went uh, fourth division, third division, second division, Lester Sheffield, let him go. It's unbelievable. They let him go. And Lester, they took a chance on him and he's leading the premiership for like two years has scored 150 goals. And I love those kinds of stories. And, uh, he would be one of them for sure. The other sports, I don't know if I know that, much about you know i don't know much about luge or or down or slalom or skiing whatever although i i will follow it in the olympics and i enjoy watching it but uh that he would be right now my my outside of baseball and hockey my favorite athlete you know that's that's an interesting answer and uh he's a fascinating athlete um okay the best concert you've seen since 1985. Since 1985. Well, I can tell you the best one I ever saw. Uh, and I saw them all like you. They played in our buildings and even in junior, they played a Hamilton forum. Uh, That's why I said 85, because I think I've heard all the ones, but now, okay. since 85, I know of all of them. I have no idea what would be your favorite. I remember uh, a lot of these I'm asking for my own purposes yeah. because I know what I came before that. I flew up in 81 and I saw McCartney in Montreal Forum and he played them all and he was he was outstanding. 
uh, I tell you the worst I ever saw was Chicago and Charlotte, North Carolina. I came out and said, what was that? My buddy, Danny Ladbo went to the University of Denver. He said, come on, Newf, we got to go. We got to go. We got to go. Jeez, I would go to and I came Chicago. out and I said, what did I just witness? It was, they were so bad. Bad harmonies coming in at the wrong. Maybe they had, you know, it's like John Gorka says, you know, uh, if you're going to choose a hero, choose the ones that aren't around. Because if you're going to choose heroes, sometimes your heroes let you down. <laughs> and they might have had a because they might have had a hard night on the town and they maybe they did have a hard night but the best up to that point were the doobie brothers that i saw in training camp with the north stars absolutely unbelievable but um i saw a lot of great really really great concerts in uh uh in toronto at uh, york university on the football field triple header Linda Ronstadt, America, and James Taylor. But when they were all right in their prime, America were just hitting with Sister Golden Hair and the Horse with No Name. And, of course, James Taylor Encore came out with Sweet Baby James and uh, and You've Got a Friend. Oh, that was a great concert, too. But I, I, that's why, this is why I said since 1985, because I wanted to avoid all what I already knew. Well, the, well, I can just say three years ago, you saw ACDC. Five years ago, we saw the Eagles. Eagles were, were great. Yes, they were. And having seen them in my own hometown in Grand Falls with 31,000, uh, they were, well, I went with you. And of course, that's always meaningful. But uh, they were great. Yeah, as you can well say, well test. I was working. I had to come back, but I drove out. We, I remember when we wanted to see the concert, it's one of the only concerts, Tom Petty, the beginning of that too. But um, that was a good one up in Toronto. Tom Petty, but oh. Tom, Tom Petty, even here, yeah, played. Three, three they, they played. Uh, be, they tuned. They come. You know, they come here to tune up. You're making a European tour. So they give two or three concerts. And uh, I remember the story with Tom Petty. I went. He was like he couldn't believe it. Number one, three concerts in a row sold yeah. out seven thousand a concert here. And I and he said, uh, I've never been here before, but I'm going to be back. And I got to I got to give a good story here. I was getting, I was in line to go to, the, to his, I think, second concert. And the guy from Gulliver's Cabs. was behind me. And I remember he said, uh, you know, they have a particular dialect, not making fun of anyone, but they have with yeah. St. John's that we call a towny accent. And he said, by the Lord heavens, he said, I can't believe it. He said, I can't believe it. He said, I said, what? I was very interested. He said, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, I drove them last night. I said, oh, my God, I wanted to find out everything. So the concert was over and he had one of those, uh, uh, you know, uh, cabs at uh, the doors slide over. What do you call them? Not cabs, but vans. And he said, they come in, they slide the door over his Tom Petty. And he said, take us somewhere to get, to get something to eat. So he said, I took them up to one of the places, fish and chips. And he, he said, they went in and they're eating. And of course the word got in on the street. There was like five people inside. All of a sudden this packed. And Tom Petty stood up and he said, large fish, chips, and gravy for everyone here. <laughs> and he said that was good. He, he gave him a huge tip. And he said uh, another comment was that he was talking to him, and he said the guys from the Heartbreakers were talking. They couldn't believe the number of old churches. They Someone there got off on it. Mm-hmm. Old churches in St. John's, of which there are many, as you well know, and they enjoyed it so much. They loved St. John's because of the the history and the architecture and whatever. The parts of St. John's they were in, they, it looks like Europe. 
Like, they, you know, they didn't, it's not like they were in Kim. Everywhere they were, they must have been, as, as most people are. Downtown St. John's, which yeah. would have been, yeah, like going to. Now, you've been all over Europe, but if you go down, if you got off a boat and you yeah. walked down Water Street, I'm sure you think you're in Dublin or you're in whatever. There's only so many parts of Canada like that, I find. Uh, Montreal, old Quebec, like, but, and only parts of both. But, but well, you're getting off watching walking down Water Street, and all the buildings are 1800. So, <laughs> you know, wow, number one, and uh, you're looking at the old churches and the cathedral, the Basilica 1850, and the Anglican Cathedral 18. Oh, these are historical buildings, and that was that was funny. I found that funny. Um, that's wild. So, for people that don't know, again, a lot for a long time, we didn't get many concerts at all. There'd be like one every two years. You might see Rod Stewart in the park and everybody would go. But that particular year, I remember, and it's going to, of course, when it gets back to normal, we normally have festivals, concerts, but people would, they'd come here and because my one holds about uh, 6,500, I'm guessing around there. Is that when, right? The concert where they maybe seven. Yeah. I'd say, I'd say they can get seven seventy five. So, normally I think uh, seat wise, it's at like okay. 6,200. Something like that. Okay. There you go. So, Often they will come and play to make it worthwhile, you know, in, in comparison, um, say if they play Air Canada Centre or, or in Montreal or wherever, it's, you know, generally 20,000 people in those big, big arenas. So they'll come here and play three. And in one year we had Elton John three. And then we had Tom Petty played three nights and Alan Pearl Jam. Jackson. Alan Jackson. Pearl Remember when Jam. Pearl Jam ended up at Bingo in Torbay? Yeah. Yeah, Eddie Vedder. Yeah, but Eddie's a bit of a loon anyway. As you well know, you played in Tri-City. Yeah. You used to go watch him in Seattle. And he had that very free spirit. And you love that about him. You yeah, just love bingo. it. Yeah, sit down. Let's have a game of bingo, boys. You know? <laughs> went to Bingo in Torbay. That was wild. Yeah, And we went. And the last thing I'll say on that, and I will, and I, I've seen bands, like you just mentioned Chicago, that like one night they're way better than the next. And you're like, geez, throw them a bone. But there are other bands that are professional. And so I won't always hold it against somebody, but I will say I haven't heard many people say that they saw the Eagles. Like the Eagles did exactly what I thought. Uh, Blue Rodeo, another one. I've seen them enough. I've seen Blue Rodeo 15 times if I've seen them once. I'm not just saying it because Jim is my friend, but some bands, if you're professional, you do your fucking job. And I have never heard Brew Rodeo give a bad concert. And so there's something to be said for that, whether, you know, I will throw somebody a bone. But if you know that people are paying good money to come see you, generally, if you're a good musician, I will see it. There might be a bad song. But anyway, that's my opinion. Blue Rodeo. So having met Jim through you and, you know, the short time that I did mean they're so professional, mm. you know, really. And, you know, they'll go out and if there's, you know, a hundred people though, there's always thousands and thousands, but if there's a hundred, they, so. they'd play like there's a hundred thousand. And, uh, I have to give a little aside here. Uh, I was listening the other day to John, uh, Sebastian and, uh, he was at Woodstock. Wasn't supposed to play. That's the, uh, lead singer for the love and spoonful. Well, those of you, I guess. Yeah. Anyway, the love and spoonful were like huge, huge. They were the biggest band in the States that, that withstood the British invasion. When they came over, a lot of the bands got decimated, but a love and spoonful had number. They held their ground two or three number ones. But John Sebastian told his story. He was, he went, he flew in on helicopter. His, a lot of his buddies were playing Woodstock. So he wasn't supposed to play. So one of the opening acts, they don't show up. There's 500,000 people out there. So Michael Lang, who just died, the guy who arranged it, all, went to him and said, John, can you play a set? He said, I had no guitar. 
I wasn't supposed to play. So I had to go to my, one of my buddies and say, can I borrow the, your guitar? I think it was a guy for Country Joe and the Fish. So he said, I, I got the guitar and I went out and he said, there's 500,000 people. So he said, I play a couple. And he said, Michael's in the background on the stage. Keep going, keep going, because the guy still hasn't arrived. And he said, all of a sudden, someone yells from the back. How I heard him, I don't know. It's like, I'm with you, John. <laughs> and so he said, I played. And he said, I ended up playing for like 45 minutes hmm. for that one guy who yelled because he said, I couldn't pick anyone out. But uh, so I played that whole concert for that one guy who yelled out. And there's an example. Okay, one more question before we get to the rapid fire random round, which so we got another 15, 20 minutes, if that's all right. You got yeah. that in you? Oh, of course. Where, where am I going? Uh, true enough. Well, I, I don't know. You might have your own things to do. I, I certainly do. Um, do you think Alexander Ovechkin will break the record? No. Uh, I Even now, like he injured a little bit this year. Needs about, I think, at least 140. That's 37. Nice. No, I, I think he'll he'll get reasonably close. And he could if he if, if he wanted to stay on till he's 45 and get 10 goals a year or 15 goals a year. I guess you could say and Jagger's still playing, but. Uh, in a real world, no. I think I think he's got 765 goals. Gretzky got 932. Okay, so when he had 20 and he now has 30 something this year, um, he reached 750 goals. He needs 794, so he needed 144, 10 or 15 goals ago. Yeah, so he needs about 120. 120. He's 37. Yeah, so. but here's my only thing. I I do. I, I said what you said a year ago, and now again, if he does, though, I'm I'm not saying this that I don't no, want him to. The law of diminishing returns now, thirty seventh, unless you're Barry Bonds and you're taking the HDH, and he's at some point he's not going to get forty. He's going to score eighteen. But if that point is beyond next year, because he's coming in on it, I didn't realize if he needs one hundred and twenty or ish, you know what I mean? Well, he's going to get forty. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Gretzky got what nine thirty two? Eight ninety four. Okay, eight ninety four. I'm I if I'm in Vegas, I'm betting he's not going to do it. I'm betting he's not going to do it. It's like, uh, you know, a lot of people come close to any record, whatever. Uh, but I don't think he. I don't think he will. He's got to avoid all injuries and play eighty games a year. And no, I just don't think he he will. If he, he now could he? Of course. But if I was a betting person, I'd bet against it. Yammer Jagger, 766. That's the next. I didn't realize Jagger had that many goals. Yeah. Wow. Um, and he played, I think, till he was 40. Jagger played till he was 45. Yeah. In the NHL? Yeah. Yeah. And, th and there you go. He played till he was 45. He had 25 is when he was 44. He was getting four. Yeah. Four goals a year. So he had to <laughs> give it up. And I think that's what happens. It just it, it, it creeps up on you until the, you don't have it anymore. But they were so good. They were paying, yeah, Jagger, you know, I don't know. He ended up in Calgary, I think, for going for assists. And finally. Two, two years before he had 25 with Florida, it was wild. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, there, if you give that guy space, you know, I, I believe he was playing with Barkov or whatever. Um, but now 
not to take away, he's playing on our shout out to Cody Donahue. Yes. Our buddy here, Cody, is over there playing in Europe. Uh, playing. <laughs> no, I think he's 49. 49. Yeah. And, <laughs> and still got like maybe, we'll say 30, 35 games, probably 28 <laughs> points, you know. But he does own the team, having said that. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, okay. Are you ready? Here we go. Rapid fire randoms. Hoops fans, the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is too good to pass up. I'm talking between the legs, 360 windmill good. New customers can bet just $1 on any team in the association and get $150 in free bets if they win. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still take your shot at a big payday. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Basketball Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, bet just $1 on any NBA team, and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Must be 21 or older. Minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Void where prohibited. Minimum $5 deposit. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text the TN Red Line at 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. And in New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY at 467-369. So, your death row meal. You, you've you've gone out and you've you've committed a crime of passion. You're pissed off. You come home. Mom's writing love letters to some other guy. You take him out with a machete. What is your last? What's your last meal? Spaghetti meatballs. Absolutely. Really? Any green peppers or anything thrown in? Just no. It's good. Well, good spaghetti meatballs and uh, wow. That was, a, no, no hesitation. And a large, large uh, Coke Zero. And uh, yeah, no, no hesitation. It's my favorite meal. If you had one superpower, what would it be? Well, got to think about that one. Probably. Now, you could include super hearing, any of the senses. A lot of people say flying. Um, but, you know, I think that I think that uh, what about invisibility or, or uh, something like the flash? To be able to get somewhere, boom, blink your eye and you've gone 10,000 miles. Ah. Something like that. Yeah. But flying would be, would be, that would be good because I love looking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now that, now that, by the way, when we we're on the side of that Grand Canyon, some of those videos with those people in the fly suits, they go from that exact point. Did you see that when you watch the fly suits? I cannot imagine. Like, I was getting weak in the knees. That story. I told him last week when the girl was sitting on the side of. Even for me, and I'm not like Terry. I'm not. It's really funny because if I'm in a plane and it, I, I'm not afraid to go up. But if it starts bouncing around, I start hype. I can't handle it. I hyperventilate. Walking. I was walking on top basically the cliff the grand canyon and i, I went nice. over yeah. three feet to you got weak actually I, I had to... didn't bother me at all now I, I knew enough not to go to the precipice but three feet just to look down and to walk 
there like 15 feet back. That was a joke. That was like walking down George yeah. Street. For me, I was but I was I dizzy. That girl. Yeah. And I, I watch it all the time on YouTube. People taking selfies that die doing that. And she walked over and nonchalantly sat on the edge of the Grand Canyon and her boyfriend taking a picture and she's swinging her legs back and forth. I had to turn around. I it I it was absolutely that set me unbelievable. Off. It set me yeah, off. it set me off. It made it made a mental tick. Like I so cool, Hardy. She falls. It dead. She's dead. And uh, wow, I couldn't look at it. Yeah, it was wild. And I often I think the reason, too, that I get because I'm looking at her knowing my body when, when I get close, I start to get dizzy and I often just black out. And, and so I know that if I was on the edge, there's a good chance that I would just give in and, and my, my body. So you'd never go to the edge. Because no, it, it would never happen. I couldn't I even. I, I had to turn around. See, Now, we're talking people like, you know, at the part I was at that I was actually dizzy. I nearly vomited. I had to crawl back. You went you went further. I had to crawl you back. And there was 15 feet on each side of me. It's not like 4000 feet straight down. Yeah. It was the Grand Canyon. Yeah. And I remember for me and I like I went over pretty like pretty you know you were saying no dad no dad but i've got that but i could see that i mean it's not like you're on can you, snow or anything can you imagine that fly suit jumping off the side of it trusting a suit no, oh I, my I fuck so watch it on uh, youtube yeah. the ones that go around guys that did it and go in the swiss alps and flew into the side of the alps and of course not a good outcome that happens occasionally not all the time but no i can't imagine that to jump off and let's go it's incredible mindset it would be uh, it's not even human in my mind, but um, it's one thing I cannot see. I can I can relate. I can see most things even like, oh, you bungee jump. I wouldn't be able to do that. But but jumping off the side of the canyon in, in the fly suit. No fucking way. Um, if you could go anywhere on a round trip time machine could be future, could be past round trip time machine for nothing other than you're not going to impact. There's going to be no butterfly effect. You get to go and you spend a day and you just see. You could see your grandchildren. You could see the past. I got that easy. Uh, Let me guess. I, I'll guess the Wild West. That would be up there. But no, the one person that I find intriguing more than anything uh, is Jesus. I would love to go to the day that he got crucified and to take in that whole scene that's given to us in the Bible. Because whether you believe he's God or not, he changed the whole world. And a guy from a small outback, uh, he must have been a really, really unique dude, man. I mean, I'd love to sit down and just to have dinner or something because it's just a fascinating <laughs> you know, period. Funny. And we know it's true. I mean, the thing is, a lot of people say, but. Well, I'm, like, I'm, yeah. I'm an historian. And when we say that, yeah, but New Testament stuff. Yeah, it, it, historically. So without picking sides of religion here, historically, Jesus was a person. He was an absolute and, yeah. person mentioned in Josephus, who was uh, a Jewish uh, general who turned with the Romans and he wrote the uh, Jewish wars uh, and he was a, an historian. And he mentions that Jesus, the one they called the Christ, was crucified today. And he's also uh, mentioned mentioned uh, the, uh, with regards to uh, causing shit in Galilee. This guy's on. So he is an, an historical figure. We know that for fact. Now, 
miracles and all that. I don't know anything about that. That's a matter of faith and morals and whatever. So that's an individual thing. But he did exist. And so uh, we know how they crucified. We, we have the actual, uh, there was only one discovered. They have one. They know the Romans crucified. It was the lowest form. Not even the lowest criminal got crucified. But if you, it was treason against the state, you did. That's why Jesus was crucified. He was accused of treason, sedition. So they did find, and archaeologists found, because they, they questioned, how did they crucify him? Well, they tied their feet around. No, they didn't. We know because they found a, a heel of a person who was crucified, and the nail went straight through the heel. And now they know that the traditional way that Jesus is one foot on the other didn't happen. It didn't happen at all. It's still in the church with the nails wow. through the palms of his hand. Didn't happen. Went through his the bottom part of his wrist because it would have tore through his hand. So they the feet were placed side by side. The nail, the spike was driven through one ankle right through the other. And when it got through the other, they bent it so it wouldn't come out. And that's there's only one in uh, and a, a museum in Israel, and that's closely guarded. So I would, that's what I would, and after that, it absolutely would be the Wild West. Uh, shoot it at the, at the OK Corral. Nice. Uh, I'm curious about this as much as anything. Where does our family come from? I know it's Ireland. Did you ever do, like, I've never looked into any ancestry I, I did, whatsoever. I did a course in university, and it was on, as it was, was on, uh, it was on an elective so an elective means it's doesn't, you know, it's not towards your major degree. It's like a fun course. Like you want to get, learn something. So I did, it was an anthropology course. Like part of the course was your family tree. And I traced the Ryans. I had to do oral tradition with my grandfather. I lived to be like 90 and Nan, 95, talking to them. And uh, great, my great, 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 1827 came over from uh, Tipperary and settled in St. Joseph's uh, Salmonier or Newfoundland. And um, I didn't really do one on mom's side because I thought grandfather Tulk, out here we call it, in grandfathers we call it Tuck, by the way, but everyone else, T-U-L-K, is Tulk. Uh, I thought he was from, it was Britain. I had no reason to not. Then I find out Tulk's from Scotland. And it, wow, that was a head turner. And uh, so Jeez, I, I didn't know that. Yeah. From Tolka, the name Tull, T-U-L-L, is a, I think is a Scottish name for hill, a small hill. And uh, so so uh, what a Newfoundland family we are. Mom's English, yeah. Scottish yeah. and Irish. Yeah. And it, well, mom's English. We're we're Scottish Irish. So we, that, to those that don't know, that's three. I, I'm guessing of the biggest ancestry lines that we have in, in well, your mother's uh mother ewing came from scotland also but i never did uh go back and did and do mom's family tree uh shit i, I didn't even know that much because of inaccessibility here at least i could go to the archives the memorial i could go out to the church uh that was great for information the baptisms and whatever but i i got that that grandfather i don't know what part of scotland he was from uh, I wish I had done it now, but uh, the Irish part, I, I did a fair amount of uh, research in that. And that was, that was an interest. That was interesting. You have to spend a month on an Island with one of these people. Now you've got 
you know, I, I you're on an island alone. I'm, I'm going to say, OK, it's not a bad island. It's it's a beach, whatever. You got accommodations, but you, you only have one person out. O.J. Simpson, Phil Spector or Charles Manson. Wow. The Academy <laughs> of Perfidy right there. Insidious. Yeah. Uh, pick one of them. Well, it's not going to be OJ <laughs> and it's not going to be Manson. So by the process of elimination, because I guess, uh, well, I don't know. You could tie but, him up. He'd tell you a story. Well, no, I'd, I'd want to know. I'd, uh, if you could get away to the fact that he blew a girl's head off, uh, <laughs> I'd want to know the music and whatever. So it would be Phil Spector. What a great question. though. <laughs> it's like, it's like, you know, how do you want to die? The electric chair shot to the head or uh, yeah. a dump in the Pacific Ocean with nothing in sight. Neither is a great option, but you got to no. pick one. Um, have you ever smoked any cigarettes? Oh, I'm sure my day. Uh, not, I never, ever smoked in my life, but growing up, I'm sure I had a cigarette here and there just to be cool around the guys. But smoking per se, nah, I never smoked. You have to do research in the North Pole for one year. Okay, now you pick three albums to take, except none of them are the Beatles, Steely Dan, or the Almond Brothers. Uh, definitely number one would be the band's greatest hits. Uh, it would be the Eagles' greatest hits. And probably, usually don't go beyond five, but just give me 30 seconds here. Uh, probably. Steely Dan, you said. Nah. You know something? A group that I, I dearly love. I haven't had much, but I wouldn't mind at all. The greatest hits of the Guess Who. I yeah. love I loved the Guess Who. I saw them. One of the best concerts I ever saw. Hamilton Forum. Help, help pack their bring up their uh, equipment and put it on the stage for the concert. I'll never forget myself. Bob Neely, first pick Leafs, played five years for the Leafs. Uh, they were given the concert the next night, and they need they brought up a rental van, and Bob and I went down, uh, nicknamed them as Tub, and, and I remember the bassist, I think his name was Jim Kale, gave, gave us $10 each. Now, $10 and 69 was probably 50 bucks today for sure. And so that was a huge tip. I was only making $5 a week uh, playing hockey when well, everything paid for. But uh, yes, the guess who? I love the guess who. Uh, we saw them as well at the stadium here. Yes. In uh, 2000, 2000 it was. That was, uh, this two, was 69 uh, or 70 in Hamilton. Okay, they so for. They had just broken with uh, uh, Albert Flasher. That was their big hit. They broke them. Now they were out. They've been out of uh, tour. They had undone and these eyes, they were already out. And I remember he went over to the piano and said, this is our latest relief. And he just sat down. He was wearing white bucks with checkered pants and wearing Bobby Orr's Boston Jersey. And he sat down at the piano and went boom, right into Albert flash. That was great. Four limos pull up. You've got to pick one. And you get to drive around town. Let's say you're in New York City and you get to drive around in this limo and have a bite to eat. Four limos, you got to pick one. In one is The Rock. In one is Adele. In one is Steph Curry. 
And in one is Facebook founder Mark Zuckerberg. Which limo do you get in? Well, it's not Zuckerberg's. I think he's a prick. I figured, but I just I gave that option. All that he that he's that he's done with Facebook and the hypocrisy. Uh, but, but I mean, you could still go and yeah, get to the bottom of it. No, yeah, know, but I, I mean, I wouldn't pick him either. But would be, uh, I think it would be a surprise. Uh, Adele, I love her music in terms of she herself. Uh, I don't know much about her. Wouldn't want to know much about her. Not The Rock. I think it would be Steph Curry. Uh, once again, came from nowhere. No one wanted him in college. No big school wanted him. Went to like a nothing Wilson State or Will Willard State or something. Proved them all wrong. He's an absolutely humble guy who has done all kinds of charitable and philanthropic work. Uh, I think he was born in Canada. Del Curry played for the Raptors. I think he might not have. He lived in Canada for sure. He may have been born in Canada. But everything I read about him, I admire. He's a champ. And I think it would be Curry. That's as good an answer as any. Um, yeah, and I didn't have any idea where you were going to go with that. I probably could have guessed not Mark Zuckerberg, but hey, I gave you the opportunity. Would you give? Would you go into space if given the opportunity? I told your mother this. She got upset. At this point in my life, and I think I would, uh, if I had a chance to go to Mars. Oh, really? Yeah, one way I'd say I'd say, here we go. Shake hands with you. Give you the hugs. And I think I go. I said, what a selfish thing to say. No, no, I think that. No, no, it's not selfish. If you were if you're 70 and, you know, you got some good years left, you're healthy, 70. But I pretty well live my life. 80 percent. If you if you're an actuary and your average age of a, of a man, I think, is like 78 or 79. And I'm 69 uh, to take a trip to Mars. I, I think I take it. I, I hate to say that to you, but. Rather than, wow, I'm going to kick off anyway. I go out on my terms and go out in something that I just love outer space. I love traveling. Uh, the idea of traveling in outer space, wow. If I could be in a time capsule. But I would, can you imagine you're entering and you're flying around Mars? Wow. Well, I didn't expect that answer, but that's a good one. Respect. A lot of people would be hard to break off, but it would almost be so unique because you're not really dying. You're, you're, you're having, you'd, you'd have some kind of a ceremony, but you know, you're still on the go. You'd be excitement. Well, well, I believe we go somewhere anyway. I mean, heaven to hell. I don't know. I think that's all bullshit, but uh, <laughs> I'm not an atheist. I believe we go somewhere energy source. There's something to it. And uh, you know, I think number one, if you were in space, it's very spiritual. I think things would hit. It happened to a lot of the astronauts that, you know, yeah, they yeah, said they felt, they felt God because I guess, it goes to show you the the, well, the uh, smallness of you. The Grand Canyon was kind of like that. Yeah, it it was, was like, what the fuck? You? Yeah, yeah. It was, you looked around at, man, we were there at sunset. Now, I don't know if many could say, what a blue sky sunset. Unbelievable. Yeah. So, you know, I could go with that. Now, you, I might want to go to Saturn, whatever, but Mars would do. But I'd like to go to the to the outskirts of the universe now, but if if it came up, no, we can bring it to Mars, though. I think I would take it. How many fish burgers have you eaten? 
I'm not a, I love codfish. One of my favorite meals, fish burger. I've never eaten one. I don't go for it. What are your favorite ingredients on a pizza? Oh, easy. I, I like Hawaiian, which is uh, pineapple, salami or pepperoni, uh, double cheese. And that's probably it. Um, pick a pet. You got to You got to have a pet. Say on that North Pole trip you're, you're going on. You're going up there isolated. You got to pick a pet. It can't be a cat or a dog. What would it be? Oh, can't be a cat or dog. Uh, I've I really love. Now, I guess you could say it's a dog. Fox, I guess. I don't know if that's. Fox. You didn't go to lizard or like other no, pets no, no, or a hamster. No, no, you would take a fox. No, absolutely not. You yeah. went to non non pet material right away. No, foxes. I love their they're smart. I just, you know, what the British did to them and those hound hunts was so cruel. And then they complained to us about killing seals that we killed so we can feed ourselves or whatever. And they're hunting. The hounds are hunting a fox. <laughs> I mean, come on. So I love I've never had a fox, but I love looking at foxes. Does Bigfoot exist? No. I think so, too. And if nothing else, when people I brought that up here before for a joke, I don't aliens want any more. Don't exist. I don't believe in aliens or or area 41. OK, but now. But listen, I think aliens, though, I, I do believe in oh, some no. point. But listen, UFO. No, Yeah, I'm saying somewhere, somewhere, I think somewhere. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's another civilization somewhere. somewhere. I mean, OK, life exists yeah. somewhere. Yeah, okay. yeah, I know what you're yeah, saying, but, yeah, but listen, but, but without getting deep, I should, I should have said, yeah, let's yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, just too great. Yeah. But I know what you're saying. The little beanie man. I mean, I don't know about that either. And and but what I do, I do know people keep when I when I see these documentaries, if there was a big footage, like mammals have to multiply. There's no evolution. They 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 drop off. So unless Bigfoot can live to be 800 now, if they if they did multiply, we would have to see him. Can we? We can we can see eight billion years into the past by looking into the universe with telescopes, everything else, but we can't figure out this thing's going around on like mountaintops, the Yeti, the, you know, every culture has a version of it. And I just think it's made up. It's a good script. There's a lot of money to be made off these, like the Loch Ness, Loch Ness monster, you know, a lot of merch that can be sold there. (laughs) You would have to see other ones. You know what I mean? There's not one thing walking around. Mammals die. They say in the Himalayas and over there, they call it the Yeti. But, uh, no, no, there's, um, you know, I, I, I agree. Um, I like of all of it. I can't even believe that that's being considered. Uh, you got to be one of these things. OK, so you go back for some reason. You 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 give the given an option. OK, senior, you're going to relive your life again. You're going to go back, but nothing can be the same. Maybe that's happens when we die. Let's say the hypothetical. You got to go back, but you got to pick one of these things. You got to be a folk singer. An engineer, given your tool set right now, the exact same person you are, you got to be a folk singer, an engineer, a chemist, or a pilot. Well, it's not a pilot. Uh, I can't see you being a chemist because I think you're interested in science, but I just don't uh, see the math. Well, I think by the process of elimination, again, it would be folk singer because singer, I love music and uh, I don't play any instrument at all, but uh, probably a folk singer singer uh, engineering does appeal to me but my mathematical skills though i did i got as far as calculus and pass it didn't enjoy and wasn't great at math i was an arts guy 
So yeah, I'd say I'd say uh, folk singer. Last question, and I'll let you go. Your coach, and in this hypothetical world, every player that's ever played hockey is available to you. You need you need to come up with a starting lineup: three forwards, two defensemen, and a goalie. Except in this world, you cannot pick Lemieux, Gretzky, or Howe, or Habs, or, or any Hab. Or any hab, because I know what your picks are going to be, and I'm going to make the question a little tougher. No Lemieux, Gretzky, or Howe, who are considered the top four, or Habs. Well, once again, you got to think. Oh, for sure, Bobby Hull on left side. Okay. Uh, and I would think Brad Hull on the right side. Yeah, he's, he's fourth in goals every. Just... Yeah, well, you know, just I'm not I'm not being nepotistic at all, but you know, I mean, facts are facts. Uh, the centerman, Eiserman, Crosby, McDavid, Crosby on defense, Potvin, and. Coffee, Lidstrom. I, I'm thinking for me, coffee. Yeah, I, I, I figure. I don't know why I've never talked and, about it with you, but I figured and you'd pick in, up in goal. I think that would be, have to be Broder. You know what's interesting? I went down to the Growlers game the other day. Go out after a kid comes over, says, "Hey, we grabbed a bite with with the visiting team because there's a kid on the team, Connor Bleakley, that played in Red Deer for four years. Oh. So went out, wanted to meet me. We had a great chat, saw us on chicklets. Actually, they wanted to meet you, but we didn't go to the game that day. But I ended up going late, and the goalie for uh, Greenville, his son. <laughs> yeah, and not only that, I had a great conversation because his grandfather used to do pitchers. I sat out in Montreal. Oh, he, well, yeah, he Remember, yeah, that. he would at Stanley Cup when it was one. Yeah, yeah. He, he's really. Yeah, yeah. So I got to know him up there. He he took a couple of my hockey cards because yeah. when I was 19, again, Look, like I was on the Habs, but I didn't play all year because the, the deal was I would be there to practice. Yeah. And when I say that, people think I was pissed off. I loved it. I, I knew I was I knew I was going back to junior in February, but I had five months in the show and I would practice and I would take warm up and then go up in the, in the usually in the press box. And I got to know Mr. Broder. Yeah. Unless you're making nine fifty a year, which yeah, sort yeah. of made it. It made a little That was, that was great. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, but it was awesome. So I had a conversation with this kid and I've indirectly met all three at some point, not for very long. I met Martin because Martin used to have a, a restaurant in Montreal with Surrey. And, and again, oh. it was right after I was there, but I went back a couple of times and okay. got to meet him. Something interesting here now to your, your because maybe your peep, some people in Quebec listen, whatever. I don't know. I got to take off now. Going up when you were uh, living with uh, Tucker in Montreal, and it was the uh, uh, Rennie Levesque used to live there. I found that sort of interesting. Rennie Levesque yeah, yeah. used to be obviously Parti Québécois and, you know, uh, Premier Quebec, but uh, that, throw that one out. That's interesting. Of course. No, I remember that too. Uh, and of course. Yeah, it was at the top of De La Montagne. Yeah, right downtown Montreal. Yeah. Wasn't it off Sherbrooke or something? Yeah, it was It was really close to like Crescent Street. It was parallel to Crescent Street. It was, beautiful. It was off St. Catherine. Yeah. And behind us was, were, was a, a bit of a foresty area. And then there was a, like a, a, a row. But it, it, it was hard to walk. But if you did it, it McGill was right behind us. Yeah, it was beautiful. Right. Um, and at the time, um, 
if you can believe it, Mike Babcock had coached there very recently. And so he was still going back and forth. He coached me. He coached against me in Spokane. But see, before that, he was in McGill. Then he went back to McGill. So there was a goalie I played against in junior. Jared Daniel played for Spokane. And as I was playing for the Habs, he was playing for McGill because because Babcock hooked him up. So when I say I met Babcock to people, they think it was in the NHL, but it wasn't. It was in junior. And then he would go back to McGill. I guess he must have still worked or done something for them. And I met him there in Montreal, but it wasn't in it. It wasn't at all. I'm assuming Babcock, well, he coached McGill. He must be an educated guy. He's got to have yeah. degrees. So it seems like that. He came out of university. Yeah, then I it was Lethbridge and Spokane. And then he, yeah. he came out of McGill. Maybe he did. You know what, senior? That's the last thing we'll do now. Let's look it up. Um, He's got to be an educated guy because. It's like if you coach in Harvard, you're not off the street. You got usually these guys got no letters after their name. You're right. So he played with the Saskatoon Blades and the Kelowna Wings short lived team and uh, four years at McGill. There you go. Yeah. And one year at University of Saskatchewan. There you go. Um, and yeah, then he he just started coaching. So yeah, no wonder. Moose Jaw, Lethbridge, Spokane. I didn't know though. You know, he Cincinnati. We did come out the West. So yeah, uh, Saskatoon. Okay. Cincinnati Mighty Ducks. I remember he coached there again. That that's when he came back into my life, kind of thing in the A. And then from on on from there. But you're right. Yeah, four years. So I don't know what degree he has. Miguel, I don't know. The first thing that will come to my mind would be BSC. It's a science university, right? But I mean, it's great and everything. It's ranked like number four in Canada, but what you think of, when I think of McGill, I think of, uh, of doctor or, uh, or lawyer at coming out of McGill doctor for sure, or science, something to do with science. Okay. Senior. Well, thank you very much there. We'll end on that note. I appreciate it. We'll have, uh, there you go. I, I hope you enjoyed those questions. You and, and way, everybody else clap for the wolf, man. He's going to rate your record high. There you have it folks clap for the wolf, man. Look it up if you don't know what we're talking about. Speaking of the guess who. Okay, back in a jiffy. Okay, folks, there you've had it. Uh, I'm going to take off now. I got to skate and I'm doing a short film with the great Mike Lynch, a comedian here that um, has toured Canada with a good buddy of mine, Brian Aylward from Newfoundland or from Mount Pearl. Um, Mike is. uh, I don't want to give anything away. But anyway, we're doing a they he works with the Newfoundland Outhouse group. You know, it's a little comedy troupe there. It's it's a bit of a laugh. Anyway, I'm taking off. We're doing a skit. I'll release it soon. Uh, Tales with TR, our live version, I guess, Tales with the TRs is going to be we're going to try to put the first one out on Monday. You got to follow my social media. Um, I'll have more information for you on Monday. I know that we haven't really promoted it much yet, nor do I even know. Um. I'm assuming it's going to come under the hockey podcast handle on YouTube, Uh, but you'll know all that. Stay tuned. I'm going to announce it very shortly on my Instagram. Uh, Thanks again to senior. Oh, I always leave leave you with an album. Let's see what album am I going to leave you with this week? I've forgotten Uh, locally and internationally. So we're going to say senior just mentioned um, some of his favorite albums. And yeah, I will go with guess who. And let's just say the guess who's greatest hits, which was in his top three that he just mentioned that he'd take with him to the North pole. Um, yeah, it's, it's great. It's Canadian. Uh, oh God. Great. Guess who? Um, American woman. 
Anton, yeah, these eyes. Um, no sugar tonight. Man, that's one of my favorites. You know what? I'm going to. And they're a band that you forget how many good songs. Laughing, Clap for the Wolfman. That's a favorite of ours. No time, no time left for you. Albert Flasher, Share the Land. Um, I'm reading now. Follow Your Daughter Home. My God. Yeah, they had a ton. So uh, check that out. The Guess Who's Greatest Hits in one form or another. Just a fantastic Canadian band. And a band that's, I would say, underrated. You know, time goes by and things change. And everybody from their era knows who they are. But they still kind of nowadays are underrated. I remember I had them on. From the point of view that people know the songs, but they don't realize that it's the guess who, and they've had so many great ones. Penny Lane is 11. That's a great example. And she listens to playlists that I make up. And I always, you know, I, she has her own stuff. I don't force music on her, but the soundtrack of her growing up has been songs that I think are relevant for her to listen to and, and good, obviously. But, you know, it's, it's a good thing to know the Beatles and the Rolling Stones and the Guess Who and the Who and then, you know, the history of rock and roll. It'll, it'll let you in on conversations, if nothing else. And hip hop and everything else, I'm just saying in this conversation. But she knows all genres, trust me. Um, but uh, so, yeah, and I'll, and I'll play and she'll go, Daddy, this is the Guess Who, too. And I'll be like, yeah, you know, they're, they're a great band. Um, locally. Ah, the Novaks, for sure. Mick Davis, I've, I've mentioned him before, but the Novaks uh, came onto the scene 2005. And this isn't really your traditional Newfoundland music. This is straight up rock and roll. Uh, fuck, what's the album? I think the name of the album is the Novaks. Look it up now. And it certainly is. Doesn't anybody hear it? Goodbye, rock and roll band. My two favorites on it, but it's a great album. If you're going to listen to the Novaks, Turn it up, turn it loud, and start with those two. Doesn't anybody hear it? And goodbye, rock and roll band. If you're a rock and roll fan, you're going to love it, I promise. Um, they don't sound like they're from Newfoundland in that it's not traditional music, and I often promote the Newfoundland trad stuff because that's what you associate us with, and we're very proud of, of course. But uh, this is straight-up rock and roll it hits you, it hits you hard, and I love it. And I'll have Mick Davis on soon. We, we planned for it a few months ago, but uh, plans got in the way and work got in the way. I was on a film set then, and it's always unpredictable. But, uh, yeah, there you go. Mick Davis and the Novaks. Check it out. And, uh, yeah, I got to wrap it up. I got to head out there. I got to wrap it up in more ways than one, but I really do have to wrap it up. Um, I had to get out, uh, got to skate with my buddies at noon, get back into the swing of things and maybe finish this season, senior hockey season. This is my last either way. Came back from Ontario. The boys are 11 and one. And now that it's getting going again, I feel kind of selfish putting myself in the lineup and taking someone who's younger and got all those years ahead of them and don't have any herders and, uh, you know, want to be on a team and all that shit. I don't want to take someone like that out of the lineup. So for those that are on a local level that are watching senior hockey, yes, I still feel great. I feel awesome, but I'm going to take a back seat now for the rest of the year. And at some point, you know, I got my games in. Um, well, I got one in and I broke my ribs. I got credit for more. So I, I'm, I'm protected by the team. I might play. 
I'm not sure, but I'm definitely going to be around to support the boys. And if people get injured, then I'm going to go in there and go for my last or go for another herder in my last year of uh, senior amateur hockey. And uh, moving on to, I'll never say bigger and better things because I love hockey, but I'm just getting too busy and uh, work being acting and filming and those things is always completely unpredictable. So I can't give commitments anymore I'm, as well. September will probably be my last ball hockey worlds anyway. I mean, I'll play here and there, but you know, world championships in Prague and that'll be it. So I'm looking forward to a lot of things, but uh, most, most importantly right now, is my skate in an hour from now. And uh, then I'm going to hit the gym and uh, like everybody else, try to follow through on my new year's resolutions that are still in play. <laughs> Penny posh reimagines, check it out. Women's wear reimagined. Sorry, Penny posh, pennyposh.com. They're unbelievable hoodies, jackets. I, I really stand by the hoodies. I think they're the best I've ever seen. Regular 129 honestly, for 79 bucks, you can get one right now. I'll throw in a book. Just let me know. Shoot me a message. Uh, TerryRyan2020 at gmail.com. That also goes to the same address if you want a book. Um, and uh, actually, if, if you want a book, the best route is www.flankerpress.com. Um, and you just leave a personal note, and I will sign it. I, I drop by. It's the publishing company's five minutes from my house. I drop by weekly and sign them and send them on. But if, you, if you'd like a hoodie or a jacket or my first book or whatever, shoot me a note, terryryan2020 at gmail.com. Um, I say that because my, my DMs and Instagram are they're overflowing and I just can't get to them. I, I don't, and, and it's a lot of words of encouragement and things like that. And so I, I don't want to frown upon it. It's awesome. I appreciate having so many listeners and good people out there that support me in senior, but I, uh, I can't get to all the messages. It would take me days and uh, I try to filter through, but it's, it's not, it's not easy, but each and every one of you, I try to get back to you, but do me a favor. And unless it's book related or you want something, a service, you want a book or, or you want to, to book me for a speech or something like that, whatever it might be, send it to terryryan2020 at gmail.com. But please don't send any um, statements or um, messages that way that, that don't have to do with business in some way because I try to organize it. You know what I mean? And uh, it gets hard when I look and I have 300 new emails and 200 of them are asking for money or uh, yeah, can... can can you get Jason Momoa to show up at my kid's school and shit like that? I mean, I get it, but the answer is always no. I'm, I'm friends with people in high places, some of them. And I think a part of the reason for that is because I don't hound them. So please no more requests to meet Ron McLean or, or, or Jason Momoa or Chris Pronger, even a lot of the, you know, I don't even know Chris Pronger. I just got that message this morning. You'll be surprised how many people, think that I can make that happen. And I'd love to, I'd love to make each and every one of you happy. That's why if I'm somewhere, come meet me. I'll give you my time. It's all good. Wherever you are, right? Mondays, tune in me and senior. I'll answer your questions, but no, I can't get Jason Momoa to show up at your kid's birthday party. Sorry. Nor am I going to ask <laughs> Wedgwood cafe, Elizabeth Avenue. Check it out. Also for all your catering needs, great restaurant, great catering, Peter Wedgwood, one of my best buddies, check it out. 
Green Sleeves, downtown, uptown. Uptown will be open again soon. Downtown is open and uh, for business right now with food, music, beers, uh, whatever you want. As, as is George Street, support local. Trinity Pub, one of the best bars, as is Bull and Barrel. Check those places out. And uh, the Merchant Tavern. I'm TR. This has been episode 90 with TR Senior. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you real soon. I'll catch you on the rebound.